This is Shifting Our Schools episode 158, Instructional Coaches and Coaching Coaches, with Heather Dowd and Patrick Green. Shifting Our Schools happens with small, significant steps forward. This week, Jeff Utick is back to tour us through a way to keep taking those steps with another free Shifting Schools resource. Before you listen, we want to remind you that this episode has a ready-to-use meeting map, so you can use this episode with your team. Be sure to find the link in our show notes. Okay, educators, ready to dig in, unlearn, and prepare to spark the next shift at your school? Then let's kick off this episode. Well, welcome back to Shifting Our Schools. I hope this finds you safe and healthy. As we enter the month of May, hopefully the weather wherever you are is turning nicer by the day. Uh, Unless you're in the Southern Hemisphere, then it's probably getting a little bit colder. Uh, But it's such a a great time of year as as here in the Northern Hemisphere for most of us, we are getting ready to be done with the school year here and hopefully in the next couple of weeks, maybe up to a month left. And we're looking at really taking time to reflect and look at what the future of education looks like. And I'm so excited that today's episode is with two dear friends of mine, Heather Dowd and Patrick Green, who've both been on the podcast before. And we're talking all about coaching. We know that we have a lot of listeners who are instructional coaches, who might be uh, technology coaches. And today we dig in to this idea of what are some of the trends we're seeing in coaching and how can we support coaches? Today's free PDF is called Cultivating and Crafting Coaching Conversations. This is one of my favorite PDFs because you, if you are a team leader, maybe you're a team leader or a PLC leader, uh, maybe you're a principal or you're an instructional coach, this is a fantastic free PDF for you to use with your team, whatever that looks like, in a way of having conversations around learning I'm also excited that this episode launches our Shifting Schools coaching program. You can find more information about that over at shiftingschools.com. But we're very excited that this program will be launching in September of 2021. Heather Dowd, who you're going to hear from here in just a second, is going to be leading this cohort. The cohort is going to be capped at 30 people. So we're looking at three cohorts of 10 and then you'd be one big cohort of 30 uh, inside of outside of that, um, what we call our roundtable cohort. So uh, that we're really excited to get, to get started. Again, you can find more information over at shiftingschools.com. And in today's episode, we're really trying to drill down on what are the, what are the changes we're seeing in coaching? How far has coaching come? Like coaching seems like such a new thing in education, but at the same time, it seems like it's been around forever. You know, my first coaching job actually was back in 2005, I guess I was a coach, uh, considered a coach. Not that we called us coaches back then, but uh, that was definitely uh, what we were. So I'm excited to dig in. Uh, if you are an instructional coach, if you are a leader, uh, a team leader, uh, a school building leader, a superintendent, Uh, I think you're going to find this episode really interesting as we talk about some of those ideas around coaching culture in our schools and ways that we can support culture, ways that we can support coaches in the future. There's a lot of C's in today's episode. So looking forward to this. With that, on with the show.
All right. Well, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. I'm excited to have two of my favorite friends and colleagues here uh, to talk about coaching and with some big announcements here at Shifting Schools. So I'm excited to have both Patrick and Heather, who have both been on the podcast before. Uh, so it's great to have them back. Patrick, good to see you, my friend, all the way from the big town of Kashmir, Washington. Uh, the big town of Kashmir, yeah. <laughs> introduce yourself to those that may, might uh, not know who you are. So my name is Patrick Green, and uh, I'm the co-author of Classroom Management in the Digital Age with the, the best co-author in the world, Heather Dowd, who's also here today. But um, I have spent 11 years in schools doing uh, co- a coaching role. And, you know, I was a middle school teacher before that. And um, so it's one of my favorite topics. And I'm excited to be here talking about it today because I feel like people are finally wanting coaching beyond their kind of job role. Mm. And so kind of tech coaching has been around for a while and evolving. And um, like I said, I've, I've been doing it for 11 years in schools and now I do professional development. But I find, Jeff, that I'm coaching sometimes administrative teams and, and whoever I'm working with uh, because the skills that you learn when you are coaching uh, are all about questioning and helping people to find the answers within the group and yeah. uh, things like that. So it's a, it's a topic that's really near and dear to my heart. And I just can't wait to talk with you all about it today. Awesome. Excellent. Heather, good to see you again, my friend. Why don't you give us a little update on uh, things you've been involved in lately? Thanks, Jeff. Nice to see you both again. Uh, my name is Heather. I live in Illinois, and um, I am the co-author of Classroom Management in the Digital Age with the most awesome co-author, uh, Patrick Green. So um, excited to be here with both Jeff and Patrick. So I'm a former high school physics teacher with a little math thrown in there. Um, I, I, but I've now been in a coaching or a mentoring coach's role for longer than I was a classroom teacher, which is crazy to me to think yeah, about that. Um, but I, I moved into a coaching role before I knew what a coach was, but I found myself helping teachers with tech. I used a lot of tech in my physics class classes, and, um, I found myself moving into this coaching role where I was helping my colleagues informally use some of the tech that I had in physics, but in other subject areas. And I really, really enjoyed helping adults. And um, that's kind of how I transitioned into a coaching role. Um, I was then a middle school technology coach working with Patrick Green in Singapore um, before moving back to the US. And I've been in kind of a mentor role training coaches since then. So I do a lot of professional development for coaches, um, group trainings. um, And I worked a lot on the dynamic learning project pilot, which will probably come up a little bit today, which um, led to the Google for Education certified coach program. Um, so that's that's kind of what I've been working on a lot lately. Awesome. So excited to be here. Yes. And we know we have a lot of uh, tech coaches or coaches, instructional coaches. I think, uh, uh, you know, as both of you kind of mentioned, I think we're kind of moving away from this idea of being a tech coach and we're really focused on instructional coaching now. Um, and we know we have a lot of instructional coaches that listen to this podcast. So it's excited to have 
a uh, entire episode dedicated to this idea of coaching. And even if you, you know, if you're a team leader, if you're on a team, coaching strategies are things we all use all the time, or like you both uh, mentioned as same with administrators as well. Uh, they're really strategies for having conversations and moving us forward in a professional way. So we've got some questions here we're going to go through that I'm going to be asking both uh, Heather and Patrick, and we're just going to have a conversation around some of these um, bigger questions that, that seem to come up all the time when we're talking about both professional development and roles of coaches and, and where are the, the intersecting of those two. So to get us started, the first question here is, uh, when you think back to all of the professional development you've led specifically for coaches, what is the most significant shift you are seeing in concept and theme that are being explored right now, say, you know, compared to like 10 years ago, a decade ago or so anything? Yeah, I, I, in fact, I think you already said it um, earlier. It, I think it's the shift away from being a subject expert. So in our case, as, as former technology coaches, we're shifting away, thankfully and finally, yeah. I think and I hope we're shifting away from, you know, as a, a tech coach, I'm, I'm not a tech expert. I'm not here to solve all of your problems. As a coach, I am here to coach you to use your expertise and my expertise and collaborate together to solve the most important problems, the things that impact student learning the most. And so I, I really felt when I first became a coach that, you know, I, I was hired because I was a good teacher, I, I think. And I had a little bit of background in tech and instructional design. And and but I wasn't a coach really. I, you know, I, I yeah. wasn't formally trained as a coach. Um, I didn't really know what coaching was. And as I started to go to trainings for coaches, I learned like, oh, we do not have a shared definition of what coaching is. It, it's my title. My title is this, but your title at your school is this, even though our yeah. jobs are similar, but they're not the same. And, and even administra administrators didn't have a clear idea of what the job of a coach would, would be. And I, I don't know, I feel like in the work that I've done in the last five years, we're, we're coming together and we're beginning to have a shared definition of what coaching is. And, and, and we're having the conversation about, you know, what, what does it mean to coach somebody? What does it mean to, you know, be a good listener and ask good questions versus giving somebody all of the solutions. And I don't know, I think that's, I think that's the biggest shift I'm seeing in the, the, the PD that I'm running for coaches is we're having that conversation. Yeah. And I think we're finally getting to a place like you know, I think all three of us had a very similar path into coaching where we were, you know, we were hopefully good teachers who use technology. And because we use technology, it was like, hey, you can help other people use technology. Why don't you become our tech coach? And I still, and it same thing, you know, like I, I know teachers who were getting really good uh, scores with their students on math exams. And so, hey, guess what? You're really good at this. Why don't you become a math coach? And there wasn't any formal training or even an understanding of what this coaching role was. We just knew we needed somebody to support others, right? Other colleagues. And so we kind of all fell into this role. I mean, I look back to what I, you know, considered myself a coach and it literally was like plugging in projectors because I was the tech coach, right? Like I was running trainings on how to, you know, use Google slides and how you could do things. And I mean, that was literally what it was. And that's not, I think today, what we would consider the actual definition of what true coaching is, but it was where we all, I think, started. And I think over the last, to your point, over the last 10 years, we've really started to focus in on, okay, what do we mean by when we mean coach? I think it's just, and I think it's excited that we're actually landing on a term that's becoming universal. Like 
I was a tech facilitator. I was, uh, I don't know. I had like every title except coach when I was in a coaching role, Patrick. Yeah. Well, and I, I would echo everything you all are saying and I would, you know, dive into one aspect specifically, I think is this idea of having a coaching cycle, right? Because like when you're talking about your first days, Jeff, it, the, the people you met with were the people who had a problem. Right. Yeah. My projector's not working, or I'd like to learn how to use Google yeah. Slides or whatever. Yeah. And so you, it was a one-off thing, and you know, there's there's different cycles uh, out there, but um, the idea that it's starting with uh, some goal setting and ending with some reflection, you know, this is what we would do in so many other um, processes in learning, and. And really that's often what we're trying to do with coaching is that it is a learning process. And hopefully you can uh, look at some data and reflect and go like, yes, we changed. We made an impact on students. Uh, but when it, when it was the one-off, um, you, you didn't, I mean, you were lucky if someone came back to you and said, hey, that was awesome what you taught me. I used it in my classroom. Right. That's kind of it. Yeah. Whereas um, now, I mean, it, where coaching is working effectively, there is a process in place where there are cycles where you get to go through the whole learning journey and hopefully then share that out with others. Uh, this is what happened when I utilized this in my teaching and I've changed and it was good for my kids and, and you've got a story to tell. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that leads great into like the, our next question is, I think uh, personally that both educator, I, I think educators are beginning to expect more out of their own professional development. You know, uh, we are hearing more and more about, you know, the old tried and true, you know, go to an hour PD session after school and use Google slides or whatever it might be, or use this new, you know, the new math curriculum or whatever it is, this idea of a sit and get model of, of, of professional development for teachers. I think teachers are starting to expect more out of their professional development. What in, in your do you see that? And Patrick, you kind of mentioned this idea of a cycle. Would you say you think this is the next evolution of PD coaching, like coaching coaches and coaches coaching teachers? Would you say that this idea is kind of where we're seeing things headed? Well, I think in so many areas in the world, personalization is winning out over yeah. um, one size fits all. And so, so when you are having a cycle with a coach, right, that's working one-on-one -on -one with you on your choice of a, of a problem, that you want to work on in your classroom, I mean, you're invested. That I mean, that's that's how personalization works. It's it's, right. it's tailored to you. There's different ways to do that, but you know, when you get a one-on-one -on -one coach to help you solve your own problem, um, that that's much more meaningful than you know a hundred hours of you sitting in a large lecture hall getting the same information at the same time at the same pace that everyone else is getting. Mm. And Heather, do you think this is going to like, we, you know, we've been talking about personalized PD forever. Why is now the time? What do you think, what, what's kind of, you think been like a tipping point of late? I think teachers are teachers and schools are seeing the value of having a coach that works one-on-one -on -one with, I mean, it coaching one-on-one -on -one coaching, a coach working with a teacher or a mentor coach working with a coach. I mean, that's the ultimate form of personalization. And I do think you're right. We were talking about personalization 10 years ago. And, but I think at that time, at least my memory of it is that when we talked about personalizing our PD, 
it was, okay, so now I, as a professional educator, I'm going to go find the workshop I want to attend. I'm going to, I'm going to do, you know, Twitter was new. So I, I'm going to do this Twitter chat. Um, I'm going to go find everything that I need versus someone who is going to help me to focus on my classroom and a challenge in my classroom. Like that's the difference. I think before that was personalized too. It's not just the only PD that I get is the PD where the school brings in, you know, XYZ person who's an expert and we're right. all going to sit there and we're all going to get the same experience. You know, we moved from that to this idea that, all right, I can go find, I can go to this conference, this local conference. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do all these things that are, you know, individual to me, but it still wasn't personalized to my classroom, mm. right? Like th those things were not, it was me going to what I'm interested in. But now I think the difference is I'm, you know, I, as a teacher, I'm working with my coach. I'm identifying a goal in my classroom that's meaningful to me that I think is going to have the most impact on my students. And I'm, I have a guide to ask me really good questions to allow me to dive in deeply into what the challenge is and how I might solve it. And then to implement a strategy to try to solve it. But then I have another set of eyes to watch me implement that challenge and, um, you know, see things that I can't see when I'm in the middle of it so that I can tweak that strategy to really hit my goal in the best way. And I, I, I just think our definition of what it means to personalize our PD has changed, right? To, yeah. to like just pick and choose what you want to like really like personalize to my classroom and my students. And yeah. You know, I, I just, I, we've seen so much success with the coaches that we've worked with over the past four years that, you know, the, the schools that are doing this well are seeing the value and the teachers are seeing the value and, and the experience, you know? Yeah. And I think like when you're talking, it, it like what I kept coming back in my head was like this idea of like, you slow down to go fast, right? Go slow to go fast. Like the idea that you're working with a coach one-on-one. -on -one and one of the first things you said was like, you identify one priority. There, I mean, there are so many things in a classroom. And, and I think a lot of times what ends up happening is both at a district level or going to a conference, right? You're, you're, it's like, it's like a shotgun effect. Like you're just got, you go to this session, you go to that session or professional development offered by your district might be two sessions on this, three sessions on that, but there's no focus. There's no focus on like, I need, I, this is something I've identified in my classroom and we're going to work on that one identified problem, issue, something we can upgrade, whatever it happens to be. How do we focus on one thing at a time and go deep into really making significant change in whatever that happens to be in instruction, right? Instruction for kids. I mean, the research shows the number one, like doesn't matter what research you look at, the number one impact on education for students is the teacher, period. And so we need to be thinking about how are we providing a professional development that is truly going deep to change practice. That to me is like the critical piece. And I think that's the next evolution coming out of this, you know, this idea of personalized, but it's personalized to your point. I think it's personalized differently. We're personalized with a focus, not personalized. Like, Oh, you can go to Twitter and learn whatever you want, <laughs> you know, yeah. which is personalized. You can go to Twitter and follow your hashtags. I'm not, and I do that, you know, that's one way, but that's not what we're talking about, about, you know, looking deeply at your classroom practice. Um, what do you think are going to be some of the big challenges for coaches in the next one to two years? And what sport do you think they might need to meet those challenges? As you kind of think about just like, where, where do you think for coaches? Well, I mean, I know I just said that the teachers and admin are seeing the value of coaches, but I still think that 
on the flip side of that, I do think a continuing challenge is going to be defending the value of keeping a coaching Mm. position, especially when budgets get tight Um, or making the argument to fund the position in the first place. I, I just had a, a phone call today with a rural school district in Pennsylvania that I'm working with and they have two coaches in this small rural school district. And I also live in a rural, rural area, which does not have any coaches. And when I've brought it up, the answer I get is that we don't have the funding. So I asked this district, um, you know, what, what is it that has allowed you to have two coaches in your small district? And they said, it's not about the funding. It's about convincing the stakeholders to, to fund it. Like it, you know, the funding is there, but you have to convince the people who control the money that to invest in a coach is to invest in teachers. Right. Um, and that can be a hard argument to make sometimes. And so I think that's going to continue to be a challenge. And, and, and I think one, one support that, that coaches can, coaches, and I think their administrators need to be involved as well is, you know, collect, find a way that works for you to collect data on the work that you're doing as a coach to be able to show that impact and communicate the impact both quantitatively with that data, but also qualitatively with stories about teachers who, you know, went through a coaching cycle and look what came of it. You have to be a salesperson. And as you know, I, I'm a teacher, I, I'm not a salesperson, but I will, I'm learning that like you have to be as a coach to communicate those successes regularly to the stakeholders so that you can, you can do that. Um, one, one resource I'll share, there's the, so we mentioned briefly at the beginning, the Google for Education Certified Coach Program. Um, so the, the pilot program, which led to that, which I mentioned is the Dynamic Learning Project, DLP for short. Um, and in the, the DLP pilot, uh, Digital Promise, which is a nonprofit here, and I'm throwing all these names out, they, part of the, the pilot is that Digital Promise um, worked with the districts to collect data on coaching. And therefore, those, those districts had that data to then take to their, you know, programs. And many of those districts after the pilot program, continued to fund the position because they had that data to show it. Um, the nice thing that Digital Promise did is they wrote up kind of a DIY data collection module, and it's in the, the certified coach curriculum. The name of the module is Measuring Coaching Impact, and we can we can link it in the show notes, or I'm not sure what it's called. We'll make, yet, sure, we'll make sure it's in the show notes. Yeah, and that they have copies. You you can make a copy of all the forms that are used. You can modify those to fit your context. Um, So that's one way of collecting data is through surveys, surveying the teachers that you're working with. But then the other way is just uh, um, collecting data around the work that you're doing as a coach. Um, And so, and and it does, it, it takes a commitment. You have to commit to doing that. Um, but if you do it, you have that, like everybody loves the data once it's done. Right. right. And and you can use that to defend your position. And if we're data driven schools, that data counts. And I think that to your point, I think when I think about what are some of the challenges in the next one to two years, I think it's helping coaches two things. I think it's getting coaches who have never really been through coaching training to actually be like myself. Like I was a coach for five years before I ever got trained on like, Oh, this is what coaching was. I think that's one challenge. And I think the second challenge is to your point is the data collection to show here's how many hours, here's how many 
cycles I've gone through with teachers. Here's the quantitative and qualitative data we have. Because when it comes to professional development for teachers, it's very easy for a school board or for a superintendent to go to the school board and say, we've had 75 teachers go to five different conferences. I mean, that's data. That is data. Whether or not they learned anything, whether or not it changed their practice, that we have no data around that. We just know that we sent them, right? We sent them. We offered 15 trainings after school. Like we've done all this stuff for our teachers. And I think from a coaching standpoint, if I can have data to say, well, yeah, I've done 32 cycles with teachers. Here's the actual quantitative and qualitative data from, from me working individually with teachers is data that speaks. And if you don't have that, I think there's a, that is where I think we see coaching jobs get, get cut, you know, because I I'm, I'm comparing data and when you have none versus all of this other data I have of kid people going off to conferences and doing after school PD or lunchtime PD or whatever it was, you get a different, you get a different, right? A different aspect of it. But I think it's important that you brought up the other side of that challenge of, you know, we all became coaches without any training. You don't know you need the data until, or even what data to collect until you have the training to know what is a coach or a shared definition. Like what does it mean to coach? Like I wouldn't have even known the data I would have taken when I first became a coach, not knowing what a coach was would have been like, well, I visited three teachers today. They, you know, three, three people asked me a question today. Yeah. Uh, I made this resource. Yeah. I planned this PD. <laughs> so that's what, when well, I remember when I started, when I was coaching in uh, Bangkok, uh, we actually had a shared calendar. So there were three, three tech coaches, one at each level. And we had a shared calendar where we were all putting on all that stuff. It was like half hour conversation with a teacher, uh, 40 minutes in a team meeting. And that was the data. It was not, it was not really data other than, oh, we're being paid a full-time salary. And look, we put in a full day's work. That's really the data. It had nothing to do with actually- That is what change. we were doing. We were just defending like, yes, yeah. we do work. <laughs> yeah, we do work. I don't sit at my desk all day, right? That was the data versus like truly looking at, okay, what is the impact? What is the impact that my position is having on student learning? Yeah, I love that. And we'll make sure that that measuring coaching impact module from uh, the Google Certified Coaching Program. We'll make sure it's linked in the show notes as well. I think that's a great one. Um, Patrick, anything to add or? You know, I was just thinking about uh, specifically right now, how people are feeling about life and learning and being overwhelmed. Uh, You know, teachers in this last year learned a new career that they, most of them were not trained to uh, teach online. And I mean, I wanna say, so so many of them embraced that and did everything they could for their kids and you know, good for them because our kids needed it. But I, I, I wonder about how much of that professional development that was necessary and needed was actually not done very well. And when we, you know, going back to Heather saying, sometimes you have to be a salesman. I wonder if that's one of the jobs of a coach is to be really letting people know, you know what, it can be done better. Because I have a a suspicion that much of the, hey, we have to teach online next week was like everybody in a Zoom call doing the exact same thing at the exact same time. And 
I guess that's the negative way to look at it is that people might be kind of burned out and been like, I've learned a ton. I need to take a break. Yeah. Uh, but maybe the flip side, the positive side is that people got to dabble with some things and really now could use that one-on-one support to help them really, you know, harness these new tools that they're using. I mean, every teacher just learned how to record themselves on video, right? which is huge. I mean, Jeff, yeah. you and I talked about this in trainings before the pandemic, right? that you, you can multiply yourself and this kid can watch this video when he's ready. And this kid can review this video when she needs to. Yeah. So people have um, a bunch of new tools, maybe that they didn't even know existed a year ago. So maybe, maybe it's not a problem, but I'm going to turn it on its head and say, it's not a problem. This is an opportunity. Coaches have the opportunity to really help people, um, you know, take off from those really rocket out of here uh, using these new tools that they've dabbled in, in this last year. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Heather, you're, you're out of the three of us, Heather, you're probably, you, you've been doing more coaching of coaches you know, lately with the work you've been doing and we're running our, you're running our first cohort through shifting schools with coaches. We're going to talk more about that here in a second. Uh, and some, some more opportunities for coaches coming up. Uh, but with your work with working with coaches, what are some of the, the more interesting questions that you feel like they're starting to explore right now in some of the trainings that you're doing with coaches around the U S and, and globally as well? Um, well, kind of related to sort of the theme of everything we've talked about so far, I think one of the things that comes up a lot is how do we best communicate what our roles are as coaches to the teachers we work with, to the ad, you know, even sometimes to admin, although ideally administrators and coaches are a team working together to communicate that to, to the rest of the school community. But, you know, how do we best communicate what we're doing and in some cases, um, depending on what the culture has been for that role of coach previously, or what the title was, to your point of like, our titles have been all over the place. Yeah, right. Mine was, I believe, instructional technology integrationist, no, in- <laughs> integration specialist. Yeah, I don't even remember. Anyway, um, but, you know, depending on what the context is already, how do we shift what our role is. So, okay, we're, we're getting some training. We're understanding, oh, this is what a coach does, right? How do we then shift, right? It's really hard when I've been fixing people's problems or, you know, people have viewed me as an expert to then shift into a true coaching role. It's Mm. difficult. And so how do we, how do we make that shift in our schools? I think that's been, we've been having a lot of really great conversations as a group of coaches, yeah. um, sharing ideas, um, to do that. And then I think related to that, how do we, how do we then, how do we shift, but then how do we also help teachers understand what it means to be coached? Mm, I so think that's good. been a new, interesting question that, that there aren't a lot of resources out there. Um, and, and so that's, we've had a lot of really good conversations around that. Like how, what does it mean to be coached? Right. As a teacher. And how do I, you know, best prepare teachers to get the most out of that experience? Mm. I think those are all kind of kind of tied together. Um, And then I'd say another I don't know anything to add to that before I I have one more that I want to share, but I'll, I'll pause there. I think, I think one for me is the one that you just said. I think they're the, how, how are we preparing teachers to be coached? I think a lot of teachers, I mean, 
teachers have, especially this last year, have been through so many professional developments, but going to a professional development is different than having a relationship with a coach and going through a learning process together, right? And, and being in that partner with, with a coach there to support you, to be your eyes. They're not judging you. They're not evaluating you. They're there as a colleague supporting you. And how do you get into that role? Uh, and it's a really hard, I think, sometimes for coaches. I mean, one of the things that one of the questions that comes up a lot, I think, when I'm talking with coaches is that you get put into this like, oh, well, they're evaluating me because they know, I mean, coaches are like middle management. You have really no power over anything. And yet you're being pulled into admin meetings and you're, you know, working one-on-one with coaches and you're kind of in this in-between world and, and how people perceive you is really critical. Um, and so just, you know, how, how do you, how do you, how do you maneuver that uh, and, and help support, you know, te- teachers and understanding like, this is my role. I'm here for you. Um, I'm not an evaluator. I'm not here to, you know, say you're doing it right or wrong. I'm here to support you and making your classroom a better place. Um, I think for me, that's, that's probably the critical one that I'm, I'm seeing a lot of right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and ideally, if you have a great administrator coach team, I, I do think it requires that team, like the, the schools that we worked with in the DLP pilot who saw the most success with that shift or just with that communication of what the role is were in the schools where the principal or assistant principal had a really strong relationship with the coach and together they communicated that, right? Mm, so so right. the principal stood or the administrator stood in front of the school community and said, this is your coach. They are not here to evaluate you. They are not here to report back to me what you're doing. You know, so like establishing that that privacy and confidentiality piece, like the, the, the administrator has to do that. Um, it's different for me as a coach just to say, I promise you, I won't go to the principal, but like to hear the principal say that, I think it's really important. In the work you did with the DL, with the DLP project, can you talk a little bit about like the power of having administrators, like also understanding what coaching is? Because not only I think is this idea of being a coach, like new to coaches, like what real true coaching is, but I think there's a lot of administrators out there that they don't know. Like, I mean, when I first became a coach, it was like, oh, well, why don't you write the job description? Because I'm not sure what you're supposed to do. Right? Like ad- admin didn't know. And I'm coaching, Oh, admin knew. Admin them. knows they you want know? you to come create a Google form for them because yeah. a coach is a technology secretary. Right. <laughs> yeah. But what's the power you've seen in the data with when an administrator and the coach, whether that be at a district level or a school level, whatever level, come together and maybe go through a program together or come to a shared understanding, a definition, even just a shared understanding of a definition. Um, one of the things that the DLP pilot, uh, the, the decision they made um, when we got started, which I think was a perfect decision. I mean, it, it was so powerful is that we required an administrator from the school to be involved in the training with the coach. And I think that is what made the biggest difference in the success that we saw later. I I, I can't speak highly enough about that. And, you know, I know that that's not always the case where, you know, if you're a coach and you're listening to this podcast, you, you probably don't have power to require your administrator to join (laughs) you. (laughs) So I think that's the, that's the conundrum, right? That's the difficult part, but, you know, as much as you can, the, the, Yeah, that really led to the success for those schools is the fact that the administrator understood what the role of the coach was, 
understood what training the coach was going through and was able to advocate both for communicating what the role is, but also advocate for time for the coach, protecting coach time mm. to do coaching. Because I mean, I'm, I'm sure you all have the same experience as me. A coach is seen as like an extra body in the, in the school. So right. when you need an extra person to help with testing, it's the coach when you need, right. uh, you know, which of course, of course, as a coach, I wanted to lend a hand wherever I could, but the, the problem is when that starts to, you know, really impede on, okay, now I can no longer coach teachers because I'm being asked to do these other 10 things. Right. Um, that's a problem. Right. And so an administrator, when they understand what the coach's role is, can advocate for coach time, but also advocate for time for teachers to be coached. Right. So what we saw, because we had administrators and coaches partnered up in a, you know, a shared experience they had the time away from school to, to connect and collaborate and make plans for the school year. And because they had that shared experience and that, that, you know, powerful connection, when they went to back to their schools and implemented the, the program and implemented a coaching program, the administrator understood, oh, I need to protect teacher time as well. So what can I do? Because I, as an administrator, have the power to do things, right? What can I do for teachers who are on a coaching cycle? Well, maybe I take away their duty for that eight weeks, right? Yeah. So a coach doesn't have that, that power, right. but an administrator does, you know, right. or, um, you know, I saw some really creative things like um, uh, a principal taking, you know, subbing in one class so that teacher could have an extra hour with their coach once in the coaching cycle, right. you know, or whatever. There, there were just a lot of, or give uh, a, the teachers who are being coached the best parking spots for those eight weeks. Like, you know, there were just all kinds of creative things that we saw mm -hmm. come out of it, but that came out of it because the administrator was present in the training with the coach. When we talked about how do you protect your coaches and your teacher's time? Had that, that had the administrator not been present, those things wouldn't have happened because the coach wouldn't have had the power to do it. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was really powerful. And I think the other, the other part of it is too, is like, if, if we're truly saying that, and I'll use principals or, you know, school-based admin, our instructional leaders, having coaching strategies to go into conversations, maybe you're having a difficult conversation with a teacher or you're supporting a teacher who maybe you've gone in and done an evaluation and you see some things that need to be worked on these coaching, what you're doing is as an instructional leader, you are coaching that, that teacher, right? Like, so I think there's also a lot of power for administrators in understanding true coaching strategies when we're talking adult to adult relationships, which are different than adult to kids, right? Mm -hmm. different from, t from teacher to kids. Well, that brings me back to the second thing or well, second, third, I don't know. I lost count, but <laughs> you know, you asked what, what were some interesting questions that we're exploring together as a group of coaches. And I think one of them in continues to be one of my favorite things to talk about is, is how do we prepare for coaching conversations mm. to your point of, you know, as administrators, having conversations with teachers, as coaches, having conversations with teachers, how can we be the best listeners we can be how can we be the best question askers we can be? 
Um, and we do have a freebie to share with you, a yes. shipping schools freebie um, yeah. that can help you with that, that um, our amazing teammate, Trisha made, um, cultivating and crafting coaching conversations. So we'll share that, right, Jeff? And the- yeah. Yep. That'll be the free, the free download this episode. So it'll be linked in the short notes and you can get that over at shiftingschools.com. But yeah, a great resource around crafting these conversations, um, starting to have these conversations uh, with, with your teachers, with uh, you know, with, with your admin or, or wherever you need to start those conversations at. So yeah, that's fantastic. So that brings us to looking at a, uh, the next kind of coaching cycle that we have going on here at Shifting Schools. And you can find out more and look at the entire program that we're getting ready to launch. But uh, next school year, so we're talking the 20, 2021, 2022, which is crazy to say, the 2021-2022 school year, we are doing a Shifting Schools coaching program uh, that will be following the Google for Education certified coaching program. So by the end of it, you can become a Google certified, a Google for Education certified coach. Uh, the program is the entire school year because we're talking about really digging into both the coaching curriculum that Google has, has created, but also having time for conversations and really identifying what those roles are. So it's a program that runs from, it'll start in September of next school year and run until May. So we've got a lot of time to dig in. Uh, there's going to be times for you to meet in small cohort groups. There'll be times for you to meet uh, in larger cohort groups around a round table. Uh, the price on that right now is it's going to be $1,200, which when you think about it for nine months of support and training, and uh, I am excited to say that Heather has signed on to be our mentor coach. Uh, Yay. So she, Yay. Yay. Uh, so she will be the mentor coach leading this. And I think this is a great time to launch this. I know there's a lot of schools that have professional development funds here at the end of the year that you might be looking at and thinking about where do I put the most time and effort into this. Uh, this is one of those things where it's the end of the year. And the last thing you're probably thinking about is like, I really want to dig into more PD, but you know, you can buy this now and then it starts next September. So we're launching it today. It opens today. Uh, you can buy it over at the shifting schools.com site. Um, Heather, you have been already running like our, our first cohort that has been running this school year. And as we started to design this one, we made some tweaks based off because we're always learning as well uh, on what this next one, but what, what are some of your favorite, what are some of your favorite pieces as you look at what we're planning to do next year? What are some things that kind of stand out to you? Well, I love the, the, the change that we made with the, you know, doing kind of two different cohort sizes, having a small group that you can really, um, you know, dig into to issues with, really get to know a group of people, feel comfortable to bring the challenges you're having as a coach to that group. But then having a larger group cohort, kind of a, um, the way I'm looking at it, the round table is a chance to you know, come together as a bigger group, share ideas. Um, you know, maybe we can get coaches doing a training for other coaches. I'm, yeah. I'm really excited about that idea. Um, yeah. But I, I think that the the biggest benefit of joining a cohort like this is your just the accountability to implement the program. So the program is there. The the certified coach curriculum is there. But to implement it and to, you know, implement it with fidelity, but also implement it with the ability to personalize and differentiate the model for your coaching context, I just think it, it's immensely beneficial to have a group of people to talk that out with. Um, yeah. I mentioned earlier the, the um, module that's in there for measuring coaching impact. 
that's a, a great example of the, the module is there, the DIY surveys are there, but it's really hard to really use that and implement that without some support. And so that's the kind of thing that, you know, we want to, we want to give you is, is you have experts to go to who've tried this already, who've done this in multiple schools, um, who can help you make it work in your school and can help you collect that data. So yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about that's that. That's awesome. And just for people that when we're talking about these, we're, we're, our, our vision is, is that we'll have small cohorts of around, uh, our goal is around 10 people. Uh, and how that'll be decided if we can get 10 high school coaches, then they'll probably become a cohort or 10 elementary coaches, they become a cohort. Um, but that'll be your small cohort. And to like Heather was saying, you will get to know those people like you're going to meet every month. Uh, you will get to be able to, to have deep conversations to support each other uh, as you're as you're going through this training together with Heather. And then the idea of having a coaches roundtable, we're hoping to be, you know, somewhere in that 30 to 40 range where all the coaches get to come together and bounce ideas and, and you know, train each other and talk about things that are, that are happening. A couple of the other things that I really love about the program is we're going to be creating a coaching community. Uh, we're probably going to be using Slack for that. We're big Slack lovers. I think we all are. And, and um, just really see that as an incredible tool. I'm actually getting a lot of traction right now with superintendents and using and Slack. So I'm hoping that it's going to be starting to come into more schools anyways. I, I just love it as a communication uh, program for school. So we're going to be utilizing that. And then one of my favorite things is as part of the program, part of the cost of the program, uh, we are paying for one year of the premium of connecthub.io, which is a data dashboard made specifically for coaches to collect that data that we talked about. Do you want to say anything more about that, Heather? Just, I, I think to me, that's like the coolest part of the program is just like, look, we know how important data is. And we've actually got a tool that can help and support you and, and be able to collect that data for you. Well, you read my mind because as you were talking, I was, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I forgot to mention Connect Hub when I was talking about data. And yes, mm -hmm. I think I, I, I think I said earlier, the, the surveys are one way to collect data, but the other way is for you as a coach to, to um, log your work, you know, keep track of it. And, and also a way for you to collect teacher progress and have a way to report out on it. And so Connect Hub was created by the amazing Susanna Summers. It was her Google Innovator project that turned into a, a real thing like Pinocchio turned into oh, a real cool. boy. Um, <laughs> and it's a really great tool to use to log, track the work that you're doing as a coach and the data reporting, the graphs that you get out of it uh, with the premium, um, the premium side of it is, it's just, it's amazing. And you can use that data to report back to admin and your school board to say, look, this is what I'm doing. This is the impact I'm having. Um, you can collect all your bright spots, all your success stories in there. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's exciting that we're including that as part of the cohort. That'll be part of the training. We'll help you use that tool uh, to the best, you know, it, it, to get the most out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Again, you can find out more over at shiftingschools.com and we'll put a direct link to all the information. You can even, we've created a, a, a great little PDF for you to download if this is something you need to take up the, up the ladder to your admin to maybe try and get funding for. Again, it starts next September. Uh, so hopefully this is something we can get, we can get kicked off the ground. So, um, well, thank you both uh, for taking time. Any final words, Patrick, about coaching or... I've just encouraged people to join. Uh, I think, you know, being able to hang out with Heather and you and uh, talk about how to have an impact on student learning is going to be an awesome nine months of learning and growth together anyway. So yeah. do it, folks. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. For me, it's the it's like a full year of support, a full year of 
of support for 1200 bucks to me, it just seems like, that seems like a great deal. <laughs> like when yeah. I think how much you spend to go to two conferences, I think you get very better bang for your buck, you know, and in something like this. So, well, and you walk away with a group of, of coaches that you're connected with at your PLN, right. And coaching, I know for many of us, we're the only coach in our school. Um, and so you have to reach outside, you know, you have to find your, find your group, find the people who can support you in the work that you're doing and, and continue that support beyond the year, right. You make those relationships that continues. So, yeah, I love that. Well, thank you both. Really appreciate it. As always, um, it's always great to, to hang out with you and talk and chat. And the problem with the three of us is we get talking and chatting and then like the entire day goes by and uh, we'll just geek out all day on this stuff. So I appreciate uh, I appreciate both of you taking time to, to actually sit down and record this. So Thanks thank you both. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of the hashtag shifting schools community. We love when listeners like you weigh in. So head over to our show notes to find ways to share your thoughts. Have a request for a future episode? Jeff and his team love supporting you with the content you need. Shifting Our Schools podcast is a proud production of the Shifting Schools team. Looking for a longer interactive conversation about the ideas shared in this session? Contact us at info at to find out about our workshops.